Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another Battleground PA podcast. This is Joyce Davis, Penn Live's opinion editor and host of Battleground PA. And look, we've got news breaking out all over today. We're going to discuss the chaos in Iowa, the President's State of the Union address, and the end of the impeachment hearings in the Senate. But add to that, there's this new Franklin and Marshall poll on how Pennsylvania voters are feeling in the lead-up to the 2020 elections, and there's lots of news in that. We'll be joined by Rajette Harris, our Democratic analyst, and Republican Jeffrey Lord, as well as G. Terry Madonna, director of Franklin and Marshall College's poll. So hang on tight, and we'll be back shortly to start our deep dive into all of these political developments. This is Battleground PA, a Penn Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. We're back and ready to go. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so at Battleground PA on Twitter and Facebook. And you can send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org. So we are about to begin what I think is going to be a wide-ranging discussion. Welcome, Rajette, Jeffrey, and Terry on the telephone. Welcome to you all. Hello. 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 Listen, there's so much to talk about. It's hard to know, honestly, where to begin. But I'm going to let's start with the Franken and Marshall poll. I've looked at this poll, and we've even written some things about it, and there's just some very interesting information in it. So let's start with Terry, maybe providing us the key points that he's taken away from this research. And also, Terry, let us know when exactly this was done, because clearly this was not done this week, <laughs> or it might be different. So, All right, well, let's start with that. We were in the field from January 20 to January 26, and the poll was released last week. Bottom line is, is simple. Let's go through a couple of the highlights. There, there isn't any doubt that President Trump's job performance is up in the state by a couple of points. It's obvious that he's benefiting from the good economy in the country. And just as we've seen nationally, he's also benefited, I think, from impeachment, where we didn't ask the question, but if you go and look at the national polls, about the same percentage of Americans say, he should be impeached and removed from office as are opposed to that. But importantly is the Republican unity, 88, 89% of Republicans say no to impeachment and no to removal. So overall, President Trump's job performance is up a bit. The other thing that we looked at in some detail was the Democratic presidential primary in our state. And again, when we were in the field, Joe Biden had ended up with a seven-point lead over uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And what was fascinating at the time we released the poll is they were literally about at the same polling percentages that the national polls, the real clear politics average of the national polls for the Democratic primary looked like. Biden had a seven-point lead. He had about a six-and-a-half-point lead. In the national polls, with the same order, Bernie Sanders now in second place, just as he was in the national polls when we released the Pennsylvania poll. And what's also interesting is Mayor Bloomberg, 
Uh, Bloomberg was eight in the national polls, and we had him at seven, largely mm. because of the zillions of dollars he spent on commercials in the state. Zillions of dollars so is right. It was, <laughs> and he's got yeah, more to spend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, I mean, a billion dollars at a minimum, and it wouldn't shock anyone if it gets up to two right, billion, right. which is what, about 1% of his wealth. So I don't think he's worrying too much about what it's going to cost him. So overall, the other aspect of it was we asked the state's registered voters if the state was headed in the right direction, and 51% of voters said yes. That's down a few points from our October point, but nonetheless, I think Pennsylvanians are generally pleased Hmm. with the state of the economy, and also uh, I think what's going on in Harrisburg, where there's not been one of those dominant issues that creates a lot of dissension a lot of partisanship and a lot of division. We'll have to see what happens when Governor when we get Governor Wolf's budget, but recommendation today. But overall, overall, I think overall the nastiness you know, that it, seems to exist in Washington is not really here, right? Is that what you're saying? We're a little bit nicer in Pennsylvania between Republicans and Democrats. Is that it? Yeah. Well, they don't. Obviously, we have the most conservative. I use conservative and liberal descriptively. I'm not using it, it pejoratively. There isn't any. There isn't any doubt that we have the most conservative legislature, particularly the House in modern history, mm-hmm. and a liberal governor. Right. But it's not gotten personal. You know, the insults aren't flying back and forth. Yes, they disagree on a lot of things. But overall, that that kind of dissension and the personal invective that is very commonplace in politics today is, is just missing. Governor Wolf, by the way, has a, a different kind of personality from many previous governors. He's not combative. He doesn't scream and shout. Yep. I joke he's, and say he he's like a college cool. professor just yeah. giving a lecture. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool cat. Yeah. But yeah. all right, so let, let me let me do this. Let's delve a little bit more into your poll because honestly, I looked at this a whole lot differently, and I don't know. And I even you know wrote some things about it. To me, I know it's not a great number that the president has here. Two in five registered voters no. believe President yeah. Trump has yeah. done a good enough job, but you've got fifty-seven percent of the voters saying it's time for a change. To me, that's yeah. the lead. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, yeah, Jeffrey? But, I mean, I, well, I well, would be alarmed is, if I were no, with no, the president. No, I'm not going to disagree with that. It is what it is, but his numbers are better than they were, and you can't rule out that if the economy stays strong and we're not in some unpopular foreign policy crisis, that the movement won't go up. Since impeachment began, his polling numbers nationally are up a couple of points. Last time I looked, a day or so ago, he was 44.6% positive on the real clear politics average for his job performance. I, I get your point, and, and you're not wrong about this, but I'm I mean, I, if back it were me, I would, at, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, well, you know, someone who's who's got a failing grade, yeah. well, they get two more points and they still have enough. Sure. I mean, I don't, I mean, Jeffrey, go ahead, well, challenge me. <laughs> well, I just think, number one, and I should say, full disclosure, I am a Franklin Marshall graduate. Oh, <laughs> that's why you're so smart. <laughs> so I have a bias towards F&M polls and Dr. Madonna. But I will say that I, I think that, you know, we're sitting here this morning with all of this upset in Iowa, mm. which, among other things, says that it's only now, what, February 4th, this world is going to turn over 0.2 zillion times before we get to November. And so with all due respect to Dr. Madonna and other polls, I just think what we're seeing here is a momentary snapshot in time that is just going to totally change. And, you know, the issue, and it's already been 
developing this morning as we sit here. The Trump campaign is is saying literally, if they can't run the Iowa caucuses, why do you want them to run Can your health care <laughs> and run the White House? <laughs> That's right. Right. That's so who knows yeah. what's going to happen between now and then, and that will definitely have an effect on the polls. Well, I know we're going to get to Iowa, but I want to stay for this moment with with these polls. I mean, I know Rajette, you. I'm sure you looked at all of this, and clearly, it's great that Pennsylvanians are feeling good about their their state, and that. But that's a local thing. That's a state thing. When you look at these numbers with regard to President Trump, does it give you any more uh, confidence that he might not take Pennsylvania? I see a lot of opportunity in the poll numbers. And also, and I, I know I keep stressing this, but when we talk about the economy, we also need to look at the quality of those jobs. Yes, uh, people might have a job, but they're still working two, three jobs to meet ends meet. Also, even individuals who have a job, and we see this a lot in Pennsylvania as well, people are noticing the wealth gap. It's widening between the rich and the poor. And that's one of the reasons we have such the fraction in the Democratic Party with our primary, because some of the candidates are speaking to that more than others. So when I look at the poll numbers, I actually see a lot of opportunity for the Democrats. Now, with that said, you know, I'm not going to take it for granted. Uh, we have the vice president coming here again very shortly this week or next week. This is his, what, fourth trip within the past year. You know, our presidential candidates, again, are focused more on the two larger cities on the ends of the state. But I think it shows that this state is going to be a battleground. Yes, but I'm, I'm going to delve into a little bit more and I'm going to challenge one thing. Jeffrey, I was picking a fight with you. I don't know if you saw the editorial, but I was picking a fight with Jeffrey because Jeffrey has always said it's the economy, <laughs> stupid. That's his mantra. And and and, and but I'm gonna tell you, I saw your poll, Terry, as saying something different. People are content. They're happy. It looks like the economy is not what's motivating them. But if I you, would say, I would <clears throat> say, Joyce, that that verifies my point. Okay. Because if they were unhappy with it, they would blame the president. Absolutely. absolutely. But what I'm saying is maybe yeah. it doesn't, yeah. when people are content and happy, maybe they look for other things because you still have 57% of the voters saying, yes, it's a good economy, but no, I don't like this president. That, you know, that, that yeah. says that something else is motivating them. I think the fact of the matter is that we got nine months until an election and almost anything can happen. And we don't know the ramifications of impeachment. Obviously, both sides are going to continue to make their case. We don't know the degree of significance that impeachment will play when we get to November 3rd. And who knows the health and the status of the economy or whether there's some foreign policy crisis that weighs in. The one thing we do know, and this is something we have not seen before in modern history, the degree of polarization is unbelievable. Yeah, that's true. You have to struggle to find something that Democrats and Republicans agree on. And I agree, Pennsylvania, there are probably six states that are likely to determine the presidential election. And when you go through the so-called Rust Belt states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, they're probably the top three, throw in Florida, if you will, and then Arizona and North Carolina. These are the six states that are going to get the most attention by far. And Pennsylvania might well be number one mm. in that in that list. I'm not suggesting that President Trump can't win Pennsylvania or win the presidency. I'm not saying he will, but I don't think 
you can rule either out at this point. Yeah, well, that's why we say it's battleground, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I think also when we talk about how happy people are here in Pennsylvania, I think we should also talk a little bit about the population drop that we're we're having, especially Mm. among um, college-age students because of the brain drain. You know, we have some of the top universities here, but we don't have the jobs. We don't have the industries to keep them here. And so I'm tying that back into our earlier conversation about the economy, whereas it's not just having a job. Mm. It's the quality of that job. And I don't think we should ignore that. But that's something that we, the Democrats, are going to have to speak on and create a message about as we campaign so it for will next be few the months. Economy. <laughs> I, 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 have a, I have a question for Dr. Madonna. Terry, as I'm sitting here, I've got all these stories that I printed out on various polls from 2016, an F&M poll that had, uh, this was dated in October of 2016, that had Hillary Clinton up nine points in Pennsylvania, a story from the Huffington Post where they had tracked uh, for Pennsylvania 71 polls from 30 pollsters, including the F&M poll. I went through them and... The vast, vast majority, I mean, I think there were literally three polls that had Donald Trump ahead by a point or two. Correct. My question is, polling in general, I mean, since you've been doing this for, for a very long time, is is the technology changing this? Are, are these polls um, having having problems grasping whatever the reality of the moment is because the technology yeah. is so changed? I mean landlines and cell phones and all that. Yep. I, I'd just like to hear you talk about that for a second. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Polling's going through an enormous uh, change, technical change, as well as some other changes. When I started in 1991, we would get 65 70% of the people we were trying to reach. That's called response rate. Now the response rates in polls is under 10%. Wow. And mm. that means you have to do a lot of statistical adjustments. But you're right, there. I don't have time to get in all of the factors, but forget landlines. Does anyone pick up a landline if nope. you don't recognize the number? If you even have no. a landline, nope. just got rid of mine. Yeah, I still <laughs> have it, but you're right. I yeah. don't do it. Yeah, well, no, yep. no nobody yep. does. So one of the big problems. Then the question is, how, where do you draw the sample from? Again, to get into all the technical details, I'm personally convinced, and I'm I'm not alone here, but I don't think there's a majority opinion among those folks who do what we do at FNM, and that is, I think we're ultimately heading to all the polls done online. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have we give people the option of taking it online, calling us with an 800 number, or we'll call people in order. And back in 2016, when we were off, and that's, I think, the first time in a major election that we had been off, uh, what basically happened is we were out of the field 10 days in other words, we weren't interviewing 10 days before the actual election. And in a subsequent exit poll analysis done by the Center for Opinion Research that does a poll for me, what they found was that you've got 20, 25 percent of the voters who made up their mind or changed their mind in the last 10 days. Wow. I remember the Comey effect when he reopened the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email situation. And two thirds of them went for Trump. So there was an enormous shift at the at the, you know within the last week that a lot of state polls uh, uh, d- didn't p- didn't pick up. Mm, mm, interesting. 
Well, well. All I know is I've never been polled in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, with that. Well, we- there are only eight. There are only eight million voters in the state. <laughs> so when you're selecting a couple of thousand people, you miss to be a few. Hang on for a few million. decades, and they'll get I to you, Roger. Been called either. I haven't been called either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going we're to have to stop this portion of it. Um, I thank everyone for talking about this poll. There's a lot of stuff in it, and. If you check on Penn Live, you'll find lots of stories analyzing this. So we're going to take a break now. We'll come back. We're going to really delve into, oh, all of these developments in Iowa. And we're going to worry about what the president's going to say tonight. And, and Terry, please do join in the conversation if you can with us. Your, your opinions are important, too. So let's take a break now, and we'll be back shortly. Okay, we're back. And now we're going to delve into all of these hot topics that are breaking out all over the United States. The Iowa caucus, the president state of the union, his expected acquittal by the U.S. Senate, on and on and on and on. So where do we start? Let us start now. What is, Rochette, what is going on with the Democrats? Come on now. What is happening? I, I, I mean, I have to defend Rochette before she starts. I mean... She had nothing to do with See this. how but, nice but Pennsylvanians she's, are. She's going to have to defend this because she's a good Democrat. I mean, God bless you. Go to it. Go to it, Rochette. I mean, honestly. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> um, she's a diplomat, too. You know, I, I really feel bad for the organizers. You know, volunteers leave their – they take leave of, leaves of absence from their jobs. They leave their states. They They go to these other states to help the candidates that they truly believe in. And then we have situations such as this. There's different reports. Uh, some of the captains, the app didn't work. Others were on the phone for two hours plus trying to, you know, give the results. It, it's just a very unfortunate situation. I'm, I don't know why you would change your entire process the year of such an important election. And that and seems this like is that's what happened. Huh? Yes. They changed things. They changed the process. And there was also reports uh, the Sanders campaign had asked them to also give them the raw votes. So they were actually giving three separate results numbers. And they said that's also what slowed the process as well. But what's most unfortunate is, now for people like me, I think there should be a shakeup. I don't think Iowa should be first, and I don't think it should, so much importance should be on it, meaning if, if you don't win Iowa, then you're out. Right. So for those but, of but us who want a shakeup, I think we're, we're finally going to get that. Well, I've heard a lot of calls now for things to be done different, but let me ask you, who, explain to us, who is responsible for making sure this stuff works? Is it the chairman, the state chair party? Uh, who? Yes, it's the it's the state Democratic Party of Iowa. So when I hear remarks such as what Jeffrey just said about the health care system that the president said, that's very different. It's one state Democratic Party that blundered this uh, situation. It's not the entire Democrat Party, but unfortunately, that's how it's going to be phrased. But Jeffrey, it does, it does, I think, in the average mind, cause you to question, right? I mean, do they are they ready for prime time, at least right. in Iowa, right? Right. I mean, let me say this one thing in favor of the Iowa caucuses. If you're a, a an unknown candidate like Jimmy Carter in 1976 or Barack Obama in 2008, it's the small size of Iowa and the fact that you can do retail politics and go from place to place, et cetera, et cetera. Actually if meet you don't people. Have a, yeah. And actually meet yeah. people that, that can help you a lot. 
I mean, to, to introduce an unknown candidate, let's say Mayor Pete for the sake of it, and, and you start with, what, the California primary? I mean, good Lord, if you don't have the money and you can't buy the media, expensive media in Los Angeles and San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera, you just simply can't compete against, uh, you know, a Bloomberg or, a, or yeah. a Hillary Clinton, if you will, or Joe Biden, who might be better known and better financed. So I think both for Iowa and New Hampshire, there's a point to the fact that they are so small that you can do the retail set. That said, in the Iowa yeah. case, precisely because they're so small they can't, and yeah. they've had all this experience, how could this happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, but one other thing about the Iowa caucus, though, it's, it's not as, as inclusive meaning you have to spend a very large portion of the evening. So say you work a night shift, say you can't find childcare. I know the Warren campaign was offering that for her uh, supporters. So it's not as inclusive as saying having a primary where you have like a eight, nine, 10 hour span right. uh, to actually go vote. Terry, I think you wanted to chime in here. It was a combination of things, the change in the process with uh, if you didn't get 15%, you could go into the center of the room and pick if you want another one of the candidates to support or just walk out of the work out of the room. We're talking about seven, almost 1700 precincts. But Jeffrey's right. It is, it does give candidates who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to become the nominee of a party a chance to get in, do the groundwork and move on from there. The other aspect about this, if we want to talk about the effect of this is simple. In the statements made by the campaigns, all four of the top candidates, the can candidates' campaigns, literally almost announced victory. Pete yeah. Buttigieg did, he did announce, announce victory. It. Yeah, he did. He and, says and he's on to New does, Hampshire. And what yeah. this does, it mitigates the effect of it. Mm -hmm. So they move on to New Hampshire. But normally there would be excitement about the winner and a bounce. And that just simply won't be exist. That, that well, just not, simply won't exist. Not, now, not only that, not they everybody might be challenged. Wins Iowa and then goes on to win New Hampshire. That's that's not uncommon. But the fact of the matter is that, in addition to the problem with the shadow app, that apparently you know not apparently but literally couldn't handle uh, the uh, event, the results from last evening. That's a big point. But you also have the fact that the effect of it is now minimized considerably. Yeah, that's true. Well, I would argue there was a winner last night, and that winner was Joe Biden. Because, Why? Because well, he wasn't yeah, going yeah, to come in first. Oh, I because see. Because Biden see. Would, looked that's like he was point. coming in first. He was the winner yeah, of but, last night. But he may be hurting things because apparently his someone in his campaign is, is saying this whole thing is questionable. The whole th I mean, he's challenging the validity of the election process there. Oh, well, no one's going to trust the results. Right. I mean, that's Particularly the, the Bernie exactly. people, I yes. suspect. Yes. So you're going to have them coming out of this divided, angry, bitter. I mean, is that what you need to defeat Donald Trump? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's what the Democrats yeah. need. No. No. That's the shortest answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Terry. Sorry. The Democrats might look at literally moving Iowa out of the front runner mm -hmm. status. They mm -hmm. might at this point just simply say that can't happen. And who knows, maybe the Iowa Democrats will end the caucus of which there are four in our country and go to the popular vote. I'm not, who knows what will happen. Knows. But and that's what I was saying originally is that there are some of us that don't think that Iowa should pretty much determine who the top one or two, yeah. who the nominee is, that we should mix it up and have states that are more representative yeah. of the party 
and of the country as a whole. Right. Um, but we kind of had a foreshadowing um, what, over the weekend with the, the uh, Des Moines poll. Des Moines, yes. Iowa poll. Um, where uh, Mayor Pete was left out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That they weren't able to re- release those results. So in a way, it, it, Iowa has just been um, a mess, a mess now, this year. Let, let me just ask this before we go on to talk about the president. Are we looking at having a repeat of Iowa and Pennsylvania amongst the Democrats? I mean, is there a possibility with all the news? I mean, you tell me, Rajette, because we don't want this no. here. Um, well, there are, there are concerns. I do know that at least in Dauphin County, uh, the commissioners uh, did not want to change the voting machines. And, you know, with concerns that we could have an issue such as this. Um, now have we they have worked that out yet. Is it been worked out or is it still? They've out there? chosen a machine, but we're still going to have new machines. Oh boy! This year we're going to. Uh, last year uh, there are counties right. that had uh, new machines, and there are issues with them. There's breaking news right there. And yeah. you know this is a huge election year, and it's not just president. We have statewide elections. We have congressional. We have the legislative seats. There's a lot on the line. Terry, did you know about that? That 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 this could happen in uh, uh, Pennsylvania? Did I? Sure. Yeah. Wow. Sure. There's there's been a debate about these new machines. The debate extends to who's going to pay for them. The state put up, I forget the amount of money. I want to say $70 million, but that could be off. And the requirement is that they have to have what's called a verifiable paper trail because of the intrusion into our election, the hacking done by, uh, by the Russians in 2016. So there is a point. Now, the primary turnout, depending on whether, you know, the presidential not Democratic nomination is big or not, we'll have to look at what the turnout is. But if it's not straightened out, we're going to go into November 3rd, and I think we're going to have the largest presidential turnout throughout our country and in our state in modern history. Wow. So wow. you can think about the addition of a large number an increase in the number of, of people who vote and as an additional system. factor. But there is going to be some concern about about the new machines. The fact is that on the Republican side in the primary, it's going to be President Trump, so it doesn't really matter. So all eyes, Correct. Are, are, yeah. so all eyes are going to be on how the Democratic primary, how yeah. the technicals of the Democratic primary in Pennsylvania right. have worked. Because Terry is absolutely right. If there is a foul-up, a screw-up, if you will— Heaven help November uh, when the whole state is up for grabs and you've got yep. two competing campaigns in here and neither one of them trusts the elect- <laughs> And the, the people, the, the, the worse yet, the people won't trust it. Right. And it's the perception. And that's right. the yeah. issue with Iowa. It's the perception. Whatever results they come out yeah. with today, they could be accurate, but people aren't going to trust yeah. it due yeah. to that, the perception. That is right. Okay. Well, there's, there's, already, there's already considerable skepticism anyway about the process. So that, mm-hmm. that would just add to it. Well, let's let's move on because we we know that we're going to keep our eyes and hopefully shortly we'll know at least who they say won in Iowa. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but let's talk about the president's State of the Union, Jeffrey. What do you think he's going? How do you think he's going to handle this impeachment stuff and and all of the hoopla surrounding what's been going on with the Senate? And- spoken or unspoken, he's going to take a victory lap. Okay. Uh, whether or not now, I, I heard somebody saying the other day that. President Clinton was in a similar spot when he had to give a State of Union, and he never mentioned it. That's what I've heard. Yeah, uh, that I've heard people predict he just won't say anything. He'll just right, move on. and and right. that prediction is out there. And then there, of course, there are other people say this is Donald Trump. You know, of course he's going to say. Either way, I have to believe this is going to be well orchestrated, so that 
he claims victory without saying a word, as it were. He's going to have the focus is going to turn to the people in the gallery. And, you know, just a historical note here. President Reagan, whom I worked for, was the first to, I think, begin this process of having special guests that were noted. Oh, really? And it -hmm. it came from, if you recall, uh, I think it was an American Airlines plane that crashed on takeoff from Washington in, like, February Mm. and crashed into the Potomac River. And there was a gentleman, uh, you know, the river was frozen. And yep, I mean, this was yep. a total disaster. There and was there a was hero a, pilot who the, helped everything, there right? Was a, yeah. No, he was He was uh, driving by. He was a, like oh, a GSA uh-huh. worker. He was right, a federal right. government worker. Mm-hmm. He stopped his car, plunged into the river, saved people. Well, everybody was so impressed that President Reagan had him placed in the gallery. Yeah. And, and got cheers and all this kind of thing. From that moment till this, They've this has expanded, <laughs> and every okay. president has somebody in right, the gallery. Right. And I think uh, but, tonight— but, but the other thing is, other people have people in the gallery. And I heard Klobuchar is sure, going to have right. uh, Harvey Weinstein's uh, whatever. I thought and, you were going to say she's going to have Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> no, I thought so, too. <laughs> no, no, Maybe not. One of his accusers is going to be there, and, of course, she's comparing that to the accusations against the president. Or you know, sexual assault, right. and all of that. So it, Harvey it works and his both friend ways. Hillary Clinton. Maybe she could have Hillary well, sit with him. <laughs> well, that, there, there's a good point. It can work both ways. But anyway, it's going to be interesting how he handles this. Now we had a reader panel here, and I was actually just just last night. You were there. I was actually taken aback at the real possibility that this could be backlash against the president if it's seen that you know he's gotten away with something. There's just a human nature not to like that. Are you hearing that, Rogette? I mean, from the from your constituents, or I'm curious to see how people take uh, that the Senate Republicans would not allow the extra witnesses, it, and it comes into fairness. As I keep saying, you know, if I was arrested, would I be able to choose my jury? Would I be able to choose whether or not I had witnesses or not? It's it just comes down to. To fairness, I mean, people go to jail and get arrested for very small items, right, wrong, or indifferent. So I'm curious to see if that factors into people's Terry, mind. You I mean, we all know he was going to get acquitted. That's not going to be a surprise. But the fact that there wasn't yeah. an actual trial. Terry, that's are the you question. are you guys going to do any polling on this, or have you had any any opportunity to sample just even in, informally? No, what we no. The reason we didn't do uh, questions is. Uh, po- the trial was going on, and we thought it's better not get to some polls in. in the middle of it. There have been a lot of national polls. But, but look, the polarization is so great. Republicans are going to defend the president, and Democrats are going to go after him. I mean, there, there's, no, there's no, virtually no middle ground. I think most voters are, are, are quite ready to move on at this point. Mm. As what about the, the viewer, viewership dropped, 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 dropped off. But the, but the fact of the matter is that President Trump, you know, may go off script and talk about it. His advisors, my understanding, don't want him to mention the I word, as, as right. Jeffrey pointed out, as President Clinton uh, didn't do back in 1999. He did not mention it once. And the Senate trial on his impeachment charges had just had just opened up. The president is going to be very optimistic and very upbeat. He's going to tout the economy. In the national polls, the average when voters are when Americans are asked, "Do you approve or disapprove of the job President Trump is doing on the economy?" It's fifty-four, fifty-five percent positive. Think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. That's about ten points higher than his overall job performance. So there isn't any doubt that most Americans are 
pleased with the the direction of the economy. So I think he's going to be upbeat and optimistic. He's going to talk a lot about uh, the rest of the year. He's going to also tout the legislation that was uh, that that has been uh, passed, particularly the trade agreement with Mexico and Canada to replace NAFTA, and that which great he said peace, he would peace do. agreement in the Middle East, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's going, yeah he'll, mean, he'll, I, he'll bring I'm in being, foreign policy from his point of view. Yeah, but I'm being a little no sarcastic that. with that because you can't have a peace without the Palestinians. But go ahead, Roger. I'm willing to make a bet that the word most used uh, tonight in his speech will be "I." I'm great. <laughs> this is great. I'm the greatest. Oh, really? <laughs> there hasn't been a greater president than me. This is the greatest economy in the history of the United States. Well, and of course, great, would, great, 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 great. Of course, great. he would I mean, be right. We, we, know what, <laughs> we, we, we know what he's going to say because he, he tells us how great he is all the time. So, uh, Well, this is a fault that all presidents have, particularly in the television age. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't remember in my lifetime a president who stood up uh, with the possible exception of Gerald Ford, and that sort of came around, he st- stood up and said the State of the Union is not good. Hmm. But, of course, his recommendation was that he was the one to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> so they all do this. And, you know, this is just one more episode. It happens to come in a, in a news-packed week, uh, which I think is makes it very interesting. But by this time next week, uh, it's in the rearview mirror. Right, right. Well, I just got a, a, a note here that said something about in one of the caucuses, it took more than two weeks for the Republicans. Do you remember anything about that to declare a winner? Oh, yes. What, yes. Good point. Good point. Was that a... Was uh, that a yes. Uh, Mitt Romney was, uh, I think, declared the, the winner. Mm-hmm. And there was all this confusion. And then a couple of weeks and later, Santorum, it, it was right? Rick Santorum. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. What right. happened Santorum, with that? What that's was the, exactly right. What was the reason for that? Was yep. that another... Software glitch or what? I, you know, frankly, I can't remember, Terry. Uh-huh. Can you? No, I can't remember either, but you're, but you're right about that. But the big effect is this. It mitigates what advantage the ultimate winner yeah. yes. in yeah. the uh, Iowa caucuses. It mitigates it. And you're right. The Bi- Biden, Biden, who looks like he could come in third or fourth, he probably benefits as much as anybody mm. because yes. they can move on now and not have to work and, and claim e- there are irregularities. You're going to hear that a lot, even when the report comes, even when the, the numbers finally come out later, presumably later today. And Bernie Sanders, in some ways, if he's the winner, he loses the, the, the impact of it. Yes. But he has a reasonably large lead in New Hampshire, which he won what? four years ago in the primary against Hillary. Hillary beat him in Iowa by less than 1%. (laughs) And then he went on to uh, win New Hampshire, which he's likely to do. But it does mitigate the Iowa effect. There's no doubt about it. Well, I'm going to have to wrap things up here. We've had a thorough discussion, and I'm just going to leave on the positive note that we agree on a lot. We agree there's (laughs) chaos in Iowa. (laughs) We agree the president is going to talk about himself in in glowing terms, right? (laughs) <laughs> and we agree there's a lot of stuff we have to keep our eyes on as we head it, this week and head into the next week. Just so much is changing. But I thank you, uh, G. Terry Maldonado, for joining us and, and keep those poll numbers coming to us, those polling information. Thank At least you. gives us something thank to talk you. about, right? <laughs> right. And thank you, Rajad and Jeffrey. I appreciate it. And please stay tuned again for another episode of Battleground PA. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. 
Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at BattlegroundPA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion and editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michel McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. For more info and past episodes, visit us at battlegroundpa.org.